The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. Prayer is when we come to God. During praise is when He comes to us. God inhabits the praise of His people. So we come into His presence through prayer. We bring Him into our presence through praise. That's the difference. Amen. So it's very important. It's not the only thing. We talked about the atmosphere of harmony and unity and how that works. And when the people were in one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the place where they were sitting. But the one accord in one place had to happen first. Life gives us plenty of things we could worry about, but the Bible gives us answers for how to live above the cares of this life. God wants us to live completely free from worry and anxiety. In this series, Carefree Living, Pastor Ed King explains the dangers of worry and how to combat it. He also shares what the Bible says about replacing worrisome thoughts with the promises of God. It is very, very, very important to know what things you can control and what things you can't control and to separate the two. And the things you can control, control, and the things you can't control, trust God. To get this series as a digital download for $13 or on CD for $25, visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Carefree living is the most responsible thing you can do for your own well-being. Cast your worries and cares on the Lord once and for all and start living a carefree life today. Now we've been talking to you, we've been in a little series of messages talking about God works in atmospheres. Now we talked about atmospheres, of course, when you hear the word atmosphere, you immediately think about this airbag that surrounds the earth, but an atmosphere is a lot more than that. It has to do with a place or even a people, an arena, an area of operation. There's an atmosphere that gets created. Music sets an atmosphere, it sets a tone. And so that's a part of what we do. And the right kind of music sets the right kind of atmosphere. God-fearing music, God-loving music sets a tone. And so God works in atmospheres. And if He works in atmospheres, we should be aware how to maybe create because that is incumbent on us as much as it is on Him. We talk about, well, there's a move of God. And so God sovereignly did something. Well, He does sovereignly do things and He does invade our space with His presence. But if we don't set the conditions right, that's not going to happen. God's not going to come where He's not welcome. He's not going to do what He's not allowed to do. He's not going to work in an environment that's filled with unbelief. He's just not going to do it. And so we have to set the conditions right. Now you still can't make God do those things that I said. You can't force that. But you do create the conditions that allow that. And so there are atmospheres in which God works. And we saw in his own hometown of Nazareth, he could there do no mighty works. That was an environment that he couldn't work in. It was an atmosphere that somehow hindered what he wanted to do. 
we know that he, because I'm sure of conditions there and maybe other reasons I don't know of, that the word doesn't even declare. But he headquartered his ministry, even though he grew up in Nazareth, he headquartered his ministry in Capernaum. Now, was it because of the attitude of Nazareth? I don't know, but you do have those indicators. It could have been a number of things. It might have just been location. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, he couldn't do anything in Nazareth because of their unbelief and other things. Scripture says that, specifically says that. And so we talked about an atmosphere of praise and worship. He knew works. See, prayer is when we come to God. During praise is when he comes to us. God inhabits the praise of his people. So we come into his presence through prayer. We bring him into our presence through praise. That's the difference. Amen? So it's very important. It's not the only thing. We talked about the atmosphere of harmony and unity and how that works. And when the people were in one accord, in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the place where they were sitting. But the one accord, one place had to happen first. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a, born of a virgin. But the time had to be right. The place had to be right. The conditions had to be met. It was a move of God, but it was not just a at-large move of God. The conditions had to be right. Amen? So God works in certain atmospheres. He works under certain conditions. And so it's incumbent on us, it's imperative that we, if we know certain things, that we set the stage Set the attitude, set the environment, set the atmosphere in motion to receive what God wants to do. Amen? I said amen. amen. So we want to create an atmosphere. We've talked about a number of things up to this point. But we want to talk about today setting an atmosphere that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Setting an atmosphere that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2, he said, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience in the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now here you have in this passage of Scripture the mention of what we refer to as the Trinity. The Trinity is the triune God. It's the three in one. It's the God who is manifested in three distinct and separate positions. And those are all mentioned right here. We have the Father, which is the premier figure in the Godhead. We have the Son, Jesus Christ, mentioned as well. He's called in this place uh, Jesus Christ, but in other places he's referred to as the Word or something of that nature. But it's still referenced to the second member of the Godhead. Amen. And then here we have the third member of the Godhead mentioned as the Spirit of God. And so all three are one. It's the three in one God. It's not three gods. It's not three distinct gods. It's one God, but in three manifestations. And they were in perfect harmony. And we saw this in John's gospel earlier in this series. We talked about Trinity unity. And he said, make us one as we, Father, are one. 
And so the Trinity is in perfect harmony with itself. It's not at odds with itself. It doesn't work on two um, opposing viewpoints. And God wants us to be uh, one in spirit together. That's why he said when we come together, we say the same things. That's not a mindless uh, dictaphone arrangement where we just say things because somebody else said it and we just go repeat it. But it does mean we come in a harmony of heart or a unity of spirit that causes us to say the same things because our unified direction allows us to do that. And that's a condition of the heart. But it's a condition of choice as well. So we think it just has to happen by feeling because when you say heart, you think of feeling, but it happens by choice. We choose to be one. We choose to walk in harmony. We choose to put our differences aside for the sake of a greater good. Doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. It just needs, means that on certain things, harmony is better than disharmony. Doesn't mean your uniqueness is voided. Doesn't mean your individuality is somehow overlooked. It just means that the greater good is harmony of heart. That's the best thing. And so mature people harmonize, immature people don't. Some people don't know why they should. It's because of immaturity. They don't understand there's a greater need than just sometimes getting my way. You know? And when God's going to move a people forward in his plan, he has to bring a harmony of heart. Where they, when they were in one place of one accord, then suddenly there came. So harmony and one accord is necessary to get a visitation from God. Amen. Amen. And so it's, it's to be maintained and, and to be cherished. Amen. And so here we find in 1 John 5 and 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, again, Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. So it's not three gods, it's three gods in one. There's three distinct expressions to the God that we serve. There's one God, one Creator, but three expressions. Amen. Jesus came to live in you when you were born again, but he came in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So there's a harmony. We find in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning. Well, that's about as far back as we can go. Amen? Who was before the beginning? The one that started the beginning. It wasn't us. Amen? In the beginning, God. So God was before the beginning. God is not contained in creation. He created all that we see. He is extra creational. He's bigger than the creation we live in and we know. He's not bound by his own creation. It is something that he assembled, but he's greater than it. He's expressed in creation, but he's not contained by it. He's not limited by it. He's limited by his word. He's limited by his rules and laws that he set in motion. But he's the one that set them in motion. So therefore the limit was a limit that he imposed on himself. It wasn't one that somebody else imposed. He did it. 
reason he did it is because he wants you to know he's predictable. The sun is coming up tomorrow. He's predictable. Why? Because he set it in motion. Amen. But he's not bound by it. He's greater than it. <laughs> Amen. So in Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the water, the face of the waters. Now, this earth was at that time covered with water. And this is before that six-day creation began. But the earth was here before that creation began. That six-day creation was a recreation of something that was already here. All right? Now, but the Bible says the Spirit of God hovered or moved upon or brooded over. In the Hebrew, that's what that word means. He brooded over. But if you notice, even though the Spirit of God brooded over the water, the Spirit of God was not active until verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, the earth and, or the sun and the moon didn't happen until day 4, so this is not that. Light is the substance. Faith is the... The Bible says that Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So evidently light and faith are very, very similar in substance because light is the substance from which everything else sprang. Because when he said in the beginning, light be, light was, that was the necessary substance that is put into operation by faith that creates it all. I'm not going to repeat that. You'll just have to go think about it. <laughs> but it's the truth. Light and life are the same thing. You know that from John chapter 1. I'm the light, I'm the life. Same thing. So he's speaking life into this void so that now faith can take that substance and form it into what we see. The worlds were made of things we do not see. It didn't say of things that did not exist, just a substance we do not see. But it was there. Amen? Amen. Now the point in all that is this, that the Spirit of God worked in complete harmony with the Father, and what the Father said, the Holy Spirit brought to pass. And so the Spirit of God is, listen to me, the power of God. And the power of God manifests in harmony with the will of the Father. And so when God said, the Holy Spirit moved. God said, Spirit did. It's the same for you. If you speak to the mountain and believe in your heart, It'll move. Spirit of God moves in harmony with your words because you've been filled with the faith of God. The Bible says the worlds were framed by the faith of God or the word of God. God believed it, said it, and it happened. You believe it, say it, it happens. 
You're created in his image. That's the way it works. That's the law of faith, guys. This is how it works. Amen. We have this wonderful opportunity that God has provided us through the television, satellites, and all the things that we do to reach you. But it is an expensive proposition to come to you. And we do it for you. We don't do it for money. We don't do it for any of those reasons. We do it for you. But it takes money to do it. You can have money and have no ministry, but you can't have ministry when you have no money. We appreciate you being willing to partner with, uh, with us here at Power of the Word through your giving and through your prayers because you are making it happen. Of course, the Lord, but He uses people just like you. And so prayerfully consider being a part of this team here at Power of the Word through your prayers and through your financial giving. And we certainly would appreciate it. And we thank God for you. So God speaks, the Holy Spirit does. You want to move a God in your life, get your words right. You can't speak wrong and get right. A man will, see, will love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking God. You want a good life, speak it. Can't speak a bad life, all the world's out to get me. Well, you can't talk that way. Amen. And so even though the Holy Spirit was present, he did not move until the Father spoke a commandment or issued a commandment. And we find in John chapter 5, verse number 19, it says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doth the Son likewise. And so Jesus said, I don't do anything without the Father giving the orders. And so here you see the Godhead in operation. The Father is the number one member of the Godhead that Jesus himself responded to and that the Holy Spirit responds to in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, in perfect unified fashion. They've got the same mission. They've got the same purpose, but they take orders from number one. You see it. So there is a first, second, and third member of the Godhead. All equally important, all equally powerful, but harmonious in action based on the purpose that they've been given. They have different missions in a sense. They have a single mission, but they have different ways of manifesting that mission. Complete harmony of heart, but different purposes. The Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. The Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. You follow? So they all have a different mission, purpose. Fulfilling the same cause, unified, but different expressions. Romans 8 and 9, it says, For you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So the Holy Spirit comes into our life at the new birth. Amen. 
Now, and we know very clearly, you know, we believe we're people, we're full gospel people, and we believe in that second blessing. And the Bible clearly teaches it. But we know that people who don't believe in that are still just as much partakers of the Holy Spirit as we are. Because if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's what it says. And so the Holy Spirit is in us that have received Jesus Christ, all of us, whether we've received the fullness of the Spirit or not. And there are people who love God just as much as you do, but don't manifest the gifts of the Spirit. But they love God just as much as you do, and they have the Holy Spirit in them. So we need to be kind. Doesn't mean we give away what we believe, but we're not arrogant about it. They're our brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. And so the Spirit of God dwells in us, and so the power of God is in us. But He can be in us and be very, very, very dormant. But He's in there. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit is in each one of us that have made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Now we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, now I'm taking you methodically through some things. Is that all right? Must, might, might as well be. This is the way we're doing it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now he which establisheth, you, establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our, heart, in our hearts. Now, that word earnest, there's two words that are really important there. And it's the word sealed, and it's the word earnest. Now, those are two works, not the only thing that the Holy Spirit does, but those are two very important works of the Holy Spirit in us. One is sealed, and there is a seal that's placed on every believer that is not necessarily visible one to another or in the natural, but in that supernatural world or the spiritual world that we don't see, that seal is very, very visible. The Bible talks about being marked with a mark in your forehead. No, I'm not talking about the mark of the beast. I'm talking about that other mark, the seal of the Holy Spirit. So there's a marking on you that you're God's. And the angelic, demonic realm or whatever is over there in that other dimension that can see our dimension. We can't see theirs, but they see ours. They see the mark on you. They know who you are. They know who you belong to. You've been marked. You've been sealed and then the other word, earnest, I don't know if you've ever bought a house, if you've ever had that experience, but maybe you go out and you find a house and, and, you, and you make the deal and you, you negotiate. And part of your good faith negotiation is often that you prove you're authentic or you prove you're negotiating in faith, good faith by putting down a deposit or what we refer to as earnest money. You ever put down earnest money on something like that? I know the other day I was looking for a car and, and there was one that was coming and, and I wanted to maybe take a look at it. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted it because I didn't see it yet. 
You follow me? So what I had to do to be the first in line when it got there was put down a deposit on it. I spoke for it with some earnest money. Now, I wasn't bound to it because they told me, you're not bound. If you don't like it, you don't have to take it. But I had to lock it up so I could have the first right of refusal. You follow me? Okay, now that's what earnest money is. Now, you see this here in, in the New Living Translation. It, it says it pretty accurately. It says, and he identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything else he has promised. So the Holy Spirit is the first installment of God for your eternal future. How do you know you're born again? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You got that presence in you. That's how you know. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is here to seal you and the seal is identifying you, but also protecting you. And also allowing you to know that you're authentic. It's the earnest. It's the deposit that God makes in you so you'll know you're His. Amen. So He gives us the earnest, the deposit that validates all these promises that are coming. Heaven is real, and the Holy Spirit is the evidence of the reality of that coming manifestation of God. We certainly enjoyed you being a part of Power of the Word today. We've been talking to you about creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. That's a very deliberate choice. It's not accidental, it's on purpose. We do certain things to make life conducive to the welcoming of the Holy Spirit in our life. It can be from the music we listen to, to the voice tones we use with others, to how we spend time in prayer, or how we just go about daily routines. We need to have a presence of the Holy Spirit on our life all the time. There never needs to be a time that God's not welcome into what we do. And again, it's deliberate. It's on purpose. And I think it starts with just inviting His presence into what you do. Invite Him for the ride along. Now, we know He's more than a co-pilot. Some say, you know, God's my co-pilot. You see the little bumper stickers and things. He's not the co-pilot, he's the pilot. <laughs> and uh, he's the leader and he's the guide. But anyway, it's harmony of heart and a walk with the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus in your life, that's where it all begins. Pray this prayer with me, say, Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you, I serve you today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. You are not my God. I repent of my sin. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I know you meant it. It's short, it's direct, but it works if you mean it. Let us know here at Power of the Word what you prayed. We want to pray with you. We, don't, we want to rejoice with you over your decision. 
We've enjoyed our time together this week. Thanks for being a part. We look forward to our next time together. Until then, God bless, and we'll see you soon. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. If you would like to receive this message by Dr. Ed King as an MP3 or CD for a gift of any amount, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Let the truths found in this message take hold in your life. Request your copy today.